The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Josh Peck. And I'm Ben Soffer. And, and we're, we're the, the good, good guys. guys. There's a lot of guys out there. And we're the good ones. Oh, Terry Dubrow, Dr. Dubrow, thank you so much for joining Good Guys. Josh, isn't this a dream? Dr. Dubrow, excuse me, Terry, I'm sorry. It's like it's like sitting with President Obama <laughs> and him being like, call me Barack. I can't deal with it. Really? <laughs> no, it's not that exact comparison, is it really? <laughs> no, no, this is huge. But I appreciate This is it. three good Jewish boys hanging out and I love it. Isn't we didn't that, even get to that. Yes. Thank God. Yes. Thank God. Literally, thank God. Josh, Terry and I used the restroom before, separate stalls. Sure. But we both washed our hands. We went to use the hand dryer. Yes. And Terry said, the hand dryer is the ultimate what are you nuts. And now we need to learn more about the science behind the clearly ineffective consumer product, yeah, it, the hand dryer. The most ineffective product, by the way. So not only is it ineffective in really drying your hands, because if you think about it, if your goal is to have clean hands. Yes. If they're still wet and you touch a surface, we call that a fomite, mm. which is a solid surface that potentially contains viruses and bacteria. The best way to get them onto your hands is to have a slightly wet hand to transfer them. So they're completely ineffective that way. As it turns out, they don't do a very good job in terms of keeping your hands sterile or very clean because that air that circulate yes. that comes out of those air dryers, it blows up all the viruses and the bacteria on the device and puts it on your hands. So it's actually counterproductive. It's one of the worst things for hand hygiene. So don't use them if you can avoid it. And them. they don't work. They, they don't simply work. don't work. It's probably better to just wipe off your, you know, your hands and your jeans. jeans. Wipe it on your, <laughs> your jeans. Your jeans are cleaner. Unbelievable. But now I'm just, the way we're linked is I take Ozempic and you're, uh, you talk a lot about Ozempic. I think it's the biggest breakthrough in medical history, these drugs. Wow. By far and away. Because if you have a drug that can allow people to lose body fat, the number one risk factor for cardiovascular disease, the very reason that I'm here in New York, Heather is walking in what's called the American Heart Association Red Dress Collection, which is this wonderful charity for the American Heart Association. And you know, the number one cause of mortality in men and women is cardiovascular disease, both heart attacks and strokes. And most people don't know that in women. If you yeah. ask the standard sort of person off the street, what's the number one cause of death for females in this country? I'll bet you they tell you breast cancer. Sure. Well, by far in a way, it's the same thing that gets men and that's cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, cholesterol building up. And so when you can reduce that risk, you are saving massive lives. And I'm so fascinated because a lot of people, as you know, don't want to discuss being an Ozempic because the Ozempic shaming thing, right? Or that they're embarrassed about it, or they think, oh, diet and exercise is the only way to do it. So you should be doing it the natural way. And then all these other criticisms about Ozempic, like the moment you go off it, you gain all the weight back. Right, I don't know yeah. if you know about this. Or, that's but what they that's say. Every, not true. But by the way, that's every single diet. Like, who wouldn't do a couple months of Atkins where you had random flop sweats because all you ate was bacon and cheeseburgers, and suddenly you put on a quick fifteen the second you had a baguette? <laughs> by the way, that's a super important point because they say if you go off these weight loss drugs, you're going to gain weight. Well, just to your point, if you go off any wellness program or diet and exercise program, you're going to gain weight. So what, that's not an argument. Terry, wouldn't you say that like, 
what we also know about sugar, right, is that it can perpetuate, there's studies that says it can perpetuate um, Alzheimer's and cancer growth, mm-hmm. right? Like overall, sugar Definitely. can be pretty detrimental to your system. Like I feel like if in years, you know, ahead and we find out more and more that the side effects aren't as bad as we initially thought, why wouldn't everyone be on this just for overall health, even if you don't have weight to lose? I completely agree with you. We used to think, so I'm a lot older than you guys. We used to think fat was the bad thing, right? Back in the 80s and the early 90s. And then we discovered it's all about sugar. And sugar in your blood, and that's why you got to know your hemoglobin A. Do you guys know your hemoglobin A1C? Oh, babe, I'm I'm crushing it. You're a bit young. I'm four. I'm a number four. Is that right? Is that good? Four is extraordinarily low. So your hemoglobin A1C is a measure of how much sugar has been in your blood for the past three months, okay, which is your basically your sugar control, sure, right? The lower your hemoglobin A1C, the lower you're sort of walking around blood sugar, the less you're exposed to the negative effects of sugar, which are the inflammatory effects inducing mm-hmm. cancer, cardiovascular disease, immune disorders, Alzheimer's, all the things that you mentioned. So if you can keep your sugar concentration low in your blood, that's probably the most important thing you can do for longevity and disease prevention. And for our listeners, when do you need to start checking that hemoglobin A1C? We're a lot of millennials. Right away. My question is when. Right away, right? Immediately, it's now? I think a baseline right now for anybody. Because first of all, if you're walking around, what you want to be is below, it depends on the lab you go to, but generally you want to be below 6.0. In some labs, it's 5.7, but let's just say it's 6.0. If you're over 6.0, you're pre-diabetic. If you're over 6.5 in most labs, you are diabetic. So if you're walking around- Is it in a routine blood test? Because if it is, I get blood work. So I would assume that I've seen it. You have to check hemoglobin A1C. And someone your age, your doctors might not check hemoglobin A1C. But they might because I've been a big fat fan. So they might've been moderate. You would if you have a history of being overweight, for sure. So your hemoglobin A1C, if it's 6.1 and you're, what are you, 30, 29? All right, so you're 31, super young. If you're walking around with a hemoglobin A1C right now of 6.2, you're not diabetic, but you are pre-diabetic. But- your organs, your brain, your immune system is being soaked with sugar all day long. And let's say that it was that. What do you do besides eating less sugar? You would immediately go on metformin. Okay. Uh, well, okay. you would get your doctor's advice. Sure. Okay, I'm not anybody's doctor here. Sure. I'm welcome. I'm happy to be, but Ugh, I'm I wish. Not- for anybody out there. Well, Josh, you have to. Well, no. This is local. I'm in LA. Let's be I honest. love elective surgery. Yeah, but Josh. I'm in LA, but let's face it, for me to be your doctor, you have to have messed up plastic uh, surgery. Got it. You got to we'll be get there. I thought you were going to say really deep that pockets. too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that helps. Guys, if you're looking for a toy for your kid and you're like, I don't want them to be mindless. I want to get them something that's a treat, but also like that they can kind of learn from and please God, keep them busy. And wouldn't it be incredible if it came like once a month? Here's where KiwiCo comes in, babe. KiwiCo delivers seriously fun learning for kids of all ages through hands-on projects and activities. They're not too hard. They're not too easy. They take just the right amount of time. You're not, do you ever get that feeling when your kid's like, dad, help me, help me. I need your help. And you're like, I would rather jump off of a mountaintop just because you're like, this is now going to take five hours. It doesn't. It takes like 15 minutes, but it's fun. And your kid's going to get so much joy out of it. Look, each month, your kid receives crates packed with engaging hands-on activities designed to introduce them to exciting science, 
technology and art. My son, he loves it. Recently, we built a bulldozer. We'll build a cool puppet show. There'll be, yeah, there's just like, as my son's gotten older, he started getting KiwiCo when he was two. He's five now, and he continues to stay challenged, engaged, and just have fun. There's something for all ages, and there's no commitment. You can pause or cancel anytime. And yeah, so redefine learning with play, explore projects that build confidence and problem solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month on any crate line at KiwiCo.com with promo code GOODGUYS. That's 50% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com, promo code GOODGUYS. If you're dealing with shedding or thinning hair, hair issues, Stop it. You have been holding this on too long. It's something that that it just is so challenging for so many people, but no one talks about it. But that's where Nutrafol comes in, okay? Because it targets the root causes and it can help with improved hair growth and decreased shedding and visible thickness. And the truth is, is that it's time to be proactive, right? Whether you just whether you're in the middle of the storm or you see one on the horizon, Nutrafol will come to to help you with these things that, you know, so many of us face, men and women alike. By the way, it's a clinically effective formula and it doesn't, you're not going to compromise sexual performance. That's all you need to know. Okay. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over a million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. And you'll just take an easy hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com and you'll get your personalized hair health plan. So take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter promo good guts. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code good guys. That's Nutrafol.com promo code good guys. Dr. Dubrow, you are a Clydesdale of a man. Your arms are popping through the Zoom. It's unbelievable. I wish I was in person to see these cables you got going on here. They're nice. They're nice. And here you are in incredible shape. And you recently had a mini stroke, which I know is what kind of brought you to your relationship with the American Heart Association. It is. And Heather got invited. You know, Heather saved my life. Okay. And I'll tell you a little bit of the story. And that's the reason why Heather is here walking the, you know, red dress collection concert for the American Heart Association, which we're really excited about, along with other celebrities. By the way, I don't know who the other celebrities are. I can't wait to go to this in a couple days and see who they are. And I know there's some very famous people going to sing in this concert. Fine, I'm keynoting. Yeah, very, very excited. I'm the celebrity. Oh, you're the the one. It's me. So there's a red carpet event with the American Heart Association. And, you know, besides the fact that it's the number one cause of mortality for men and women in this country by three times over the number two, which is cancer. Mm -hmm. Number three is neurodegenerative disorders like Alzheimer and Parkinson's. And number four, the metabolic disease cause of death like diabetes. Okay, so it's the number one cause by far and away. It's funny because, you know, I was a triathlete in college and in med school. And I, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles, the vainest 
city in the country. So I've always exercised my whole life and I'm 65 years old. I can do 85 push-ups. Wow. I could run 10 miles. I'm incredibly healthy, particularly for a guy who's 65. There's not that much difference in my sort of exercise performance between 65 and 30. I mean, I can't run 20 miles the way I used to, but who would think that I'd be sitting there at a restaurant with my wife, okay, having a meal and then with my son and my wife and then sort of, sort of munching some chips and some avocado. Healthy And fat. all of a sudden out of the, right? <laughs> yeah. Out of the blue, I start to go, I say to my son, we're changing this keypad on one of our houses. And I'm saying, I want to say, what's the code? And I go, well, and my wife looks at me and flips out. I go, no, 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 I'm chewing the avocado and I'm thinking it's just my mouth. My tongue is not working that well for a second. Otherwise I feel fine. And I, she goes, what's wrong with you? I go, no, nothing's wrong. No, nothing's wrong with me, right? And clearly I am displaying stroke symptoms, Yeah. right? And yeah. I don't know if you know the acronym for identifying someone with a stroke who has an impending stroke, whether it's a TI, which is a temporary reduction of blood supply called a transient ischemic effect. Transient ischemic, what is the Attack? A? I have no idea. Attack, thank <laughs> okay. you. Transient ischemic effect. <laughs> no problem, I can't believe I had way. to ask that question. So, or whether you're having a full-blown evolving stroke, but I was displaying the classic sign of someone having a stroke. And by the way, the acronym is, it's BFAST, F-A-S-T, right? Mm -hmm. Which is facial drooping, decreased arm strength, difficulty with speech. And then the T is about time because that means there's a clot in your brain Oof. that's blocking off a blood vessel to some critical part of your brain. Yeah. And you have got to get that clot dissolved. You've got to use these miracle clot busters. Yeah. And you only have a limited period of time before if you don't remove it, that part of the brain dies. So it's really important to be fast, right? Yeah. Facial drooping, arm strength, speech disruption, and then the focus on time. Because you have about three to four and a half hours, depending on the study you look at, to get into the emergency room, identify that you're having a stroke, get an IV started, see the neurologist and get that clot dissolved. Otherwise that part of your brain is going to die. You're going to have a full-blown irreversible stroke, mm. okay? So- Heather flips out and I look at her like, what's, what's wrong with you? And then I get upset because we're in this patio restaurant on Robertson Drive at one of the most TMZ bus drive-by places <laughs> in Los Angeles called the Ivy. And the TMZ oh, bus literally classic, drives classic. by every 30 minutes looking for celebrity. You've been there, haven't oh, yeah, you? Yeah, but it's like, literally, I mean, they've shot half of the show Entourage there. It is the most strikingly... LA paparazzi place you could be. Great onion rings. So yeah, the best <laughs> onion rings. So I'm sitting here going, blah, blah, and Heather's going, oh my God. And she turns to someone and goes, call 911. And I'm so pissed that she's embarrassing <laughs> me. And you know, I'm a, I guess I'm a little altered because I refuse to sort of acknowledge that I'm having a problem. Yeah. So I'm pissed and I get up. I'm in denial. I go to the bathroom and it probably lasted 55, 60 seconds. That's it. I had a TAA, not a full stroke. So it already resolved by the time I came back from the bathroom. So I come out of the bathroom and Heather's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying, what are you doing? And then the paramedics pull up the TMZ bus. I mean, here it is. The doctor from Botch is going to have, I don't know why she's doing this. I'm furious. And I respectfully go to the paramedics and I go, my wife thinks I'm having a stroke. So let's look at me. And of course, I know all the signs of a stroke. I go, let's hook me up to the monitor, measure my blood pressure. Everything's perfect. 
But the problem is <clears throat> you can have a TIA. If you're having a TIA, you need to go in the hospital. If you're having a stroke, you need to get your butt's butt in the hospital. Heather wants me to go to Cedars, which is essentially right across the street, and I refuse. Mm. And so I take off down the street and I call an Uber. I get an Uber and I drive away. Now, if I'm having a true stroke and I drive away and I go to home to Newport Beach, which is some two hours away, and go to bed, and I sleep eight hours and the stroke evolves. You're fucked. I'm fucked, you know, and I'm a surgeon, okay? I depend upon, you know, I'm useless. If I can't use, what, what I can't change a light bulb. I know nothing about cars. I'm functionally an idiot, except when it comes to medicine. Yeah. <laughs> right? If you take away my ability to operate, what am I good for? I lose my television show. I lose my surgical practice. I, you know, well, forget about that. You know, no one wants I get that. It, so, totally. and I probably die because yeah. the chances of having death after a fully evolved stroke is very high. So she follows me in another Uber and she uses Life360. As you can tell how fast I'm going. I don't know if you know about this app, no. Life360. It's the most amazing app where if you sign up for Life360 and I sign up, I can tell exactly where you are. I can look at your history in terms of where you've been, whether you were in a car, how long were you at a location. Heather can tell. I'm going down the 405 South to my home in Newport Beach. She knows exactly oh. where I am. And she says, follow, you know, just keep going. It makes it so hard to and cheat. Then, I don't want my wife to get that I for know. me. <laughs> it, it's not good. So long story short, she starts calling all my friends who are doctors. They start calling me. They go, hey, man, what's up? I go, nothing. She thinks I'm having a tea. I go, a stroke. They go, well, I go, does it sound like I'm having a stroke? Do I have any of the FAST signs? I don't have any facial drooping because I'm on FaceTime with them. I go, look at this arm strength. Man. And then I go, and my speech is fine. They go, yeah, but you know, you should probably, should. I go, no, I didn't, I didn't have a TIA, man. It was just slurring my words a little bit. I had a half a cocktail, I was chewing chips. They go, Terry, go to the emergency room. I go, I'm not going to the emergency room. Plus, to be honest, the next day I was supposed to get on a plane, fly out here and do Andy Cohen's Watch What Happens Live mm. with Heather. It's gonna mm. be a New York trip. Yeah. Any excuse to come out here mm -hmm. to Manhattan and mm -hmm. eat this food and be it's on Watch What Happens. It's the best. And New York is, it's like walking around, you feel like you're in a movie set. This is the coolest city on the planet. There's Paris and there's New York to me. These two coolest cities ever. I didn't wanna, if I'm, you know, I don't want, I don't wanna, go to the hospital. They'll never let me go on a plane to New York. I don't want to do any of this. I can't believe. Anyway, so finally she calls this friend of mine who's a cardiologist and he goes, she thinks you're having a stroke. And I go, I'm not having a stroke. Listen to me. He goes, well, what do you want to do? And I go, I want to go home and go to bed. He goes, it's going to freak her out. It's going to freak your son out. He goes, why don't you not do it for you? Why don't you do it for them? And I go, okay. It's like he got yeah. through to me instantly broke through my denial barrier. Right. Why would I torture Heather and my son with this that they witnessed? Let me just go to the hospital. Sure enough, I had an MR angio, you know, an MRI with an mm -hmm. angio. And sure enough, I had a TIA and <clears throat> I had a thing. The question is, why does a perfectly fit 65-year-old yeah. guy who has no carotid blockage, which is the blood vessels going to your brain. You need to have a clot come from somewhere to go to your brain to block the circulation to give you a stroke. Where did it come from? So I didn't really believe it. How did I have a TIA? What what blocked the circulation of my brain? So the neural, the most common cause is one, you have a clot in your carotid arteries, the main blood supply to your brain, and it breaks off and goes to your brain, right? Mm -hmm. 
And number two, you have atrial fibrillation, which is an irregular heartbeat, very common. And you get a clot in your left atrium that breaks off and goes to your brain. So one of those two things, well, I don't have atrial fibrillation and I already know nobody is more monitored than a paranoid physician. I've had MRIs in my entire body my whole life, okay? Because for example, there really isn't very good cures for cancer. The best thing you can do for cancer is early diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Cardiovascular disease, if you make early diagnosis, you get on, you know, statins and you get on high blood pressure medications and you control your cholesterol, you can really prevent cardiovascular disease. And by the way, that's one of the greatest things about the American Heart Association, because if you focus on what they do, preventative cardiovascular health and how to maintain, how to treat and have live a healthy lifestyle, um, it's incredibly effective at preventing heart disease, but can you really prevent cancer? No, we're not really good at preventing cancer. We're just good at early diagnosis. So I do a lot of MRIs of yeah. my body. All right, so long story short, I go into the hospital, the neurologist comes in, he has a terrible personality and it's my hospital, I'm on staff and he's still rude to me. Mm -hmm. Can you believe bedside, wow. bedside manner, even with Terry DeBro? The, the worst. Do you call so him out for comes that, in, Terry? He, I mean, cause that's all of no. our dream, right? But like you are entitled to be like, brother, let, what, can we get a little small talk here? We got, we got to talk neurons and electrons. Can we please, what's going on? It's a good, it's a good question, but I didn't call him out. I wanted to call him out on the, how could I possibly have a stroke or a yeah. mini stroke diagnosis? And he goes, well, you probably have what's called paroxysmal atrial fibrillation, which means in your sleep, you go into AFib. Mm. And while you're in AFib, you threw a clot. And then mm. when you wake up, you're out of AFib. I, do, I go, dude, I'm the worst sleeper on the planet. If a gnat lands on my cheek, it wakes me up. If I'm in AFib, okay, AFib, you, you know it, you feel like your heart's pounding out of your chest. He goes, you have paroxysmal AFib. And I say to him, I go, can't, why can't I have a PFO? You guys ever heard of a PFO? No. So we're all born. Reminds me of P.F. Chang's. But I, it's delicious, right? <laughs> it's fantastic. Although, let's just be honest, P.F. Chang's compared to a good Chinese food restaurant in Manhattan. I mean, Mr. Come, Chow. come on. Mr. Chow, I love it. started in LA, by the way. It's Did better it? here. I haven't seen the, the Mr. Chow thing on Netflix, the documentary. They probably started in New York, really I don't good. know. <laughs> yeah, it didn't start there. Josh, do you go to Mr. Chow's in Beverly Hills? Um, I don't, but but because uh, I'm, a, I'm a Chang's man. I'm a BF Chang's man. I was there Tuesday. Yeah, you were. Yeah, well, at, at Chow or at Mr. Chow? Oh, Chow? You live Mr. such Chow's a different life than me, Terry, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Chow is so good, and all I have to say, the off menu, they have a... A fish in a sweet and sour sauce. Really? Off menu, unbelievable. Well, that may be the Manhattan off so, menu. I'm not sure we have that. So Terry, did so, you smell toast? You know how they say that when you're having a stroke? No, you didn't smell toast? No, like French toast but maybe? It lasted 50 seconds. No, I didn't smell. And I didn't have any of those other sort of weird, eerie signs of a stroke. I didn't have that at all. What if you weirdly smell chemicals? Sometimes I weirdly smell chemicals. Is that, a, is that, a, is that something that I should be worried about? No. No. I wouldn't worry about that at all. Yeah. Um, so I, when you're born, right? I don't know if this is too scientific. I don't want to bore you guys, but let me just tell you. I'm what, loving well, this. Do you want to hear I don't, this? Yes, right? and then I want to, I have a couple of botched questions with the time we have left because I'd love to hear about that as well. Okay. When you're in your mother's uterus, okay, you're not breathing. So your mother has to oxygenate your blood. Mm. So you bypass your lungs. In order to bypass your lungs, the blood goes from, 
the vein that goes from your body, the deoxygenated blood to the right side of your heart. And it goes through a hole in your heart to the left side of your heart because your mom oxygenated your blood for you. Normally it goes from the right to the lungs back to the left side, mm. but you want to bypass your lungs when you're not breathing oxygen. So it goes from right through a hole called a patent foramen ovale. We all have this. The moment you take your first breath of air, this flap comes down and blocks the hole between the right and left side of your heart so that the blood now goes to your lungs when you take your first breath so that you can oxygenate. Mm. In a certain percentage of people, the hole doesn't close completely. So when you hear of a young starlet like Aubrey Plaza, like Haley Bieber, and I'm sure Snoop Dogg's who, daughter who just had a stroke, when they have a stroke at age 21, it's because they have an incomplete closure of that mm. patent, patent means open, foramen ovale, the heart hole between your right and left side of the heart. And a clot has been able to, a little teeny clot that normally would go to your lungs now goes to from the right to left side of your heart to up to your brain. Mm. And it takes very little blockage of your brain circulation to give you signs of a stroke. I had what those young starlet had, a hole in my heart. Wow. Wow. So just to cut to the chase, thank goodness, because I have a curable structurally anatomical reason for having a stroke rather than I'm just older and I've got blockages in my carotid arteries or I've got atrial fibrillation. Those are stuff you don't want to have. No, no. I mean, so I, so in 11 minute procedure, a cardiologist through my groin put a titanium plug blocking that hole from the right to left side of my heart. And now I have no potential to have a stroke again. So I'm back Thank being God. this crazy 65 year old who works out seven times a week we can and tell, runs Perry. around like I have 10. No, Dude, thanks. Runs you, and there was an episode, there was an episode of Botch recently where you had your, you were doing, I think like a cryo session with, yes. and with Paul and you got, you had your shirt off. I, I would have loved to be in between that sandwich. Let me tell you, but listen, you, you had your shirt off. You're ripped brother. Are we doing any testesterone replacement therapy? I I do. Yeah, you do. Ben, I think, let's the way, put in our orders the, now. We want to get on the Dubai program. Just like, listen, Ozempic and those drugs aren't necessarily for everyone, but I think particularly men over the age of 45 and 50, go talk to your doctor. I think every guy over 45, 50 should look into TRT. Mm -hmm. It's a life changer because, mm -hmm. you know, no matter how hard you try, you can't hold in your testosterone. And that's all about lean muscle mass and everything else. So that's what happened to me, you know? Wow. And that's my story. You want to talk about botch? I'd love to talk about botch. And I, okay, so here's my first question. Do you do any, obviously we know Paul's the, the master at the face and the nose, especially. Mm -hmm. Terry, do you do anything from the neck up? So I do, and probably about 40% of my practice is facial surgery. The reason that I don't on botched, although I did, uh, the hardest case we've ever done is that woman with these big, had these these injections of this, went to a plumping party at some hotel and this woman injected <laughs> caulking material in her face and she ended up with these huge masks in her face. I did that case. The reason I don't is Paul is an ENT doctor, an ear, nose, and throat doctor, okay? So he's a facial plastic surgeon and a very, very good one. I am a classically trained head-to-toe plaster. I trained at UCLA's Department of Plastic Surgery. So I do faces, noses, eye. I don't do noses anymore because there's so many better guys than me, but I do facelifts. I do blepharoplasties. I pin ears back. I do all this facial surgery. But, you know, there's two guys on the show. 
So you got to give one case to Paul every week and one case to me. So we give him all the faces. Because he can't do nothing. Because he can't do anything below. Below. Below the Understood. neck. Yeah. So I do a ton of facial surgery. When you hear about somebody that injected random shit into their face, <laughs> how do you not shake them? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, how do you have that restraint? Like, I, again, I know it's unprofessional, so obviously <laughs> you have that restraint. But I would just look at them like, what are you nuts? Like, why are you... Why is this really worth it? Well, that's why we're so happy to do botch because we put it out there as a cautionary tale. Be careful who and what you let them inject, Ugh. right? And never do it without medical supervision. Because by the way, even when you inject the FDA approved stuff, that stuff can get into a blood vessel, block a circulation and kill your nose, kill your entire cheek. Vascular occlusion happens from even when you go to a board certified experienced dermatologist or plastic surgeon. But these people go to plumping parties and they get non-medical grade silicone or they go literally to a hardware store and get caulking material and scam these people and inject in their buttocks, their breasts, their face. And when that happens, your immune system goes berserk. Oh, smokes. What's yeah. your, so, I, I remember asking, I have a good family friend who's the head of plastics at St. John's. And I asked her, we've made so many great strides in plastic surgery, right? I said, what is still not great? Like, is there a particular surgery that just like has not been perfected, something you just would rather not do? And she said, arms she's like the scarring ah. around arms is just so difficult to do well that i just that's wouldn't do very, it if i could avoid it what, what do you think okay that's a i i would 100 percent agree with that so the thing about arms is there's two components to arms there's fat and there's skin mm -hmm. so if you have tight skin and just too much fat liposuction through teeny incisions very effective but once your skin starts to loosen if you do liposuction it makes the skin looser mm -hmm. and can actually look worse so when you have a component of significant loss of elasticity of the skin the only thing you could do is tighten it and the only way unfortunately of tightening the skin in the arms is to make a cut from elbow to armpit. That's called a brachioplasty. That's a big scar. Mm. So if someone has moderate laxity, not worth the scar. If someone has so much laxity because they've lost 300 pounds that the arm skin is hanging down, then the risk reward is in the favor of putting a scar there. But if you would have told me, so I graduated med school, UCLA in 86. If you would have told me some 14 plus 23, some 30, whatever, four years later, seven years later, that we're still going to be tightening the skin by cutting it, mm. removing it and stitching it. I would say, no, in 2024, you guys will be tightening the skin with energy transmission devices, yeah, sure. either a laser, something out of Star Trek, lasers or ultrasound frequency or radio frequency or some kind of energy transmission. You can believe that we still don't have flying cars. Okay, we can look at someone in China on our phone and talk to them. That is brilliant, right? And, and FaceTime, but we're still cutting skin and removing it and stitching it up even in 2024. Now, in 2074, I can't believe we're still gonna be cutting skin. We're gonna go like this. You're gonna hold some device like this and go, zzz, zzz which is going to tighten the collagen tighten and tighten it and you won't have a scar. But still, unfortunately, we're doing it with a scalpel. Sounds it's like pathetic. something you should make. Well, the big future of plastic surgery 
is energy transmission to tighten skin. And we mm-hmm. do have them. We have things that you put on the neck, these radio Morpheus frequency eight. devices. Morpheus 8. Wow, what That's a- very good. Do you know any others? Morpheus Excuse 8. Me. Um, well, there was the other, uh, well, True Sculpt. I've heard of this. True Sculpt. He's right. Mm, you know, listen. God. I'm a real Hollywood, so, I'm a real Hollywood mocker yeah, here. <laughs> so to answer your question, what surgery isn't great? those procedures for tightening skin. But I will tell you to further amplify, the number one most popular procedure in plastic surgery is breast augmentation. It's great, but it's also the worst operation. You wanna know why? Why? You put this inert medical grade silicone or saline with a silicone envelope in a human being. You do this great job. It's an easy operation. A brand new novice plastic surgeon can do it. And then a year later, one of them or both of them can be rock hard, no matter who put it in, even if someone of my level of experience does it, your immune system can decide, nah, screw you, don't like you, I'm gonna put scar tissue around you. Mm-hmm. That happens, plastic surgeons won't tell you the truth how often it happens, they'll tell you, oh, in my practice this never happens, liar, <laughs> okay? Total BS, it happens maybe as much as 25% of the time. Wow. And if you, if I told you, of my operations fail. You'd say you're a terrible plastic surgeon, but it happens up to 25% of the time. So it's a terrible, even though it's the most popular operation, it has the most significant impact on the body of a female in many ways for many women. It fails so mm. often. Wow. Mm. So it's a terrible operation yet super popular. I still mm. like those odds. Wow. Sorry, that's just me. Um, <laughs> they, it doesn't stop anybody from signing up. I don't think plastic surgeons do any any women any favors when they do a consult and they go, I walk in and I go, okay, let me tell you why you don't want to do this operation. If you pass this, this test, then you can go ahead and mm-hmm. do it. But if you go in with eyes wide open, I go, look, you at any time in the future, anytime wake up and have a rock hard breast that hurts and looks terrible, this can happen to you. You still want to do this operation? Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support, 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way in an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Guys, for me, I've always had a little bit of melancholy, a little bit of sadness. And and so in dealing with that, that bit of depression and that little bit of like kind of obsessive neurotic thoughts, I have found great sort of... Uh, Uh, relief in talk therapy and also in medicine. And in 2024, that's certainly a health goal of mine to continue to handle that stuff you know, head on. And and with cerebral, it's easy, right? Because whether you want therapy, psychiatric medication, or both, you are going to get a customized treatment plan from them. And it's all from from the comfort and safety of your home, right? And whether it's finding the right provider or scheduling appointments, Cerebral brings it all to you. And they have expert clinicians who work alongside you to craft a treatment plan that's tailored to your individual goals. So to get started on your path towards better mental health, Cerebral is giving giving our listeners 15% off their first month of online therapy, medication or both. Get started at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code GOODGUYS to make 2024 your best year yet. That's Cerebral, C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L dot com slash podcast and use code GOODGUYS. 
Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. See site for details. Hey, good guys, listeners. I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Usually I'm gift card guy, right? I'm like, I don't want to think about this. Here's a hundred bucks. Go have fun. But my wife was like, hey, that's insensitive. And also people can tell you don't care. And I was like, cause I don't, but she's like, but we want to fake like we care. So now I'm on Etsy and it's beautiful, right? Cause it helps me find gifts made by independent sellers for the people in my life. And, you know, it's not the same old thing, right? Whether your friends, the jazz fan, I don't know, the pasta lover, the dog lover, uh, the golfer, shout out my, my brother-in-law, Will. Maybe they're a musician or a writer, a, a Zen seeker. I, I don't know. The truth is, is that from 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there's something for everyone on Etsy. And the truth is, you don't have to get super stressed anymore. With gift mode on Etsy, you're going to be able to search hundreds of gifting personas, right? Like I said, jazz fan, Zen seeker, whatever. And you'll find so many incredible items. And that's how I did it. So a gifting moment is always around the corner. But whether it's birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. This is probably a terrible question, but what about somebody that goes for a breast reduction and taking what's been reduced and putting into somebody that wants well, bigger you can't, breasts? I can't put my tissue in you. Your immune you system will that. reject it. Okay. You need immunosuppressive mm-hmm. drugs. That's why mm-hmm. I can't put my liver in you unless mm-hmm. we test our body types. Sure. And even if we have a sim- similar body type, even if I'm your brother yeah. and we have the same blood type and sure. we put my liver in you, you're still on very high dose anti-rejection for drugs. Life, right? And you have to pay the price. For life, mm. all right? Terry, so, what about on the show, we see the extreme, right? Where we see, you know, sometimes people will, there's usually always a case of someone who's done body modification to a, a comical extreme. But what if there's just someone who wants, you know, breast enhancement and it's just, in your opinion, it's not crazy, like comically big. It's just too big for them. You just feel like the aesthetic mm. of what they're looking for it's just not going to sit right, but they're adamant. Do you take that case? Another really good question, because if you ask a plastic surgeon, you know, we have very expensive offices that are very fancy to attract patients. So, and there's a lot of plastic surgeons, you know, you hit a tennis ball in Beverly Hills, you're going to hit five plastic <laughs> surgeons on the head, right? So these guys are all competing. So if you walk in a woman walks and goes, I want to breast implant that's too big for my body. And not only aesthetically, but the chance of a problem goes, starts to go through the roof. What will the Beverly Hills plastic surgeon say to them? Sure. If you've got the money, I've got the time, honey. Mm. Right. That's yeah. what they'll say. I go, okay, well, let's talk about this. First of all, aesthetically, you're going to, the first thing that's going to enter the room. If you have these big breast implants is you, you really want that look. If you do, then let me tell you another reason not to do that. Sure. Because the bigger you go, the more tension on the internal part of the body, the more the immune system may say, no, I don't like this. The greater the chance you'll have a complication. So you give them the facts. If it's absurdly big, you have a, a woman who's 411, with no breast tissue and you put this giant implant in there, it looks ridiculous. You're gonna, I say to them, oh, would I do it? I'm so persuasive, I don't think they would do it. Mm-hmm. But 
it, if it, for me, to be honest with you, I have the benefit, I have this ridiculous, I'm so lucky, I have a TV show, I have all this experience, people, no, when people come in to see me, they're going to sign up for surgery. I don't have to compete with anybody. Yeah, sure. But when I was a young plastic surgeon, fresh out, and I had this new office and I wanted to, you know, start paying overhead and having some savings and success, maybe I would have let the patient push the envelope more than I would let them now. I don't let them push the envelope. No pun intended, push the envelope, yeah. but I wouldn't let them. I just say, nah. That's not right for me. But I, I, again, I have the advantage of being able to turn down patients and there's just another one. Not right everyone by. can. Not yeah. everyone can. Wow. But I always say, treat the patient, to plastic surgeons, treat the patient like it's your sister, mm. or like it's your mother. Mm. Would you put too big an implant in your mom or your sister, even if she begged you? No, because <laughs> you know better. Yeah. Do, you, do you have any good stories of people coming out of anesthesia in funny ways, trying to fight you, talking about wild shit? <laughs> So it's funny, the way you go, you can tell a lot about a person by the way they come out of anesthesia. Like a guy, most many guys come out of anesthesia fighting. And so their their basic, you know, aggressive nature shows. Then there's a lot of women who come out of anesthesia crying, mm. which is really interesting. And then I come out of anesthesia, like how would you think, okay, you don't know, don't know this about me, but I'm, I tend to be a very, I was raised by a single mother who's extraordinarily sweet. I come out of anesthesia thanking everybody. <laughs> Thank you, I really appreciate what you've done for me. And you know, you can tell a lot about person's underlying personality by the way they come out of anesthesia. And so you get the guy who like is fighting you to stop it, stop What cracks me up, so I'll have a patient. We put the dressing on. I walk out to the nursing station. I'm writing my post-operative orders and dictating the operative report. And I can see 10 feet away, my entire staff emerging the patient from anesthesia, taking the breathing tube out and so on. And if it gets super aggressive, I run back in there and help them. So there was this woman who comes out of anesthesia recently and she's like, you go, go, go away from me. And she's going berserk, almost like a psychotic episode, which can sometimes happen. Mm. And so she's, what are you doing to me? Freaking out. And she won't, you know, that's dangerous. She's yeah. trying to pull out her IV. She's trying to get off the table. She has like three people holding her down. And scary. I walk in and I look at her and let's say her name is Lucy. It wasn't, <laughs> but it was Lucy. And I put my face right in her face. I go, Lucy. Lucy, it's Dr. Debro. it's Terry Debro. She's going, ah, she opens her eyes. She goes like this, hi, how are you? <laughs> and I look at my staff and I go, eh, eh. Love it. Do I have the power or what? Wow. <gasps> you know. Oh my God. Yeah. What percentage of people come out speaking a different language? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Zero. What about accents? Uh, no, they don't, some, everyone. My dad came out of anesthesia and was, just trying to speak Chinese. That's Bruce. That's just Certainly. Bruce. <laughs> swear to God. Are you swearing? <laughs> swear to God. He had 14 hours of back surgery, like spinal reconstruction. Wow. Thank God, he's totally fine. Came out and he was just trying to speak Chinese. Okay, no, so he was I was hungry so, for this is kind of a, and no, this, is, this is kind of a bummer for me because this never happens, but I have a friend of mine who's a plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills. He's extraordinarily handsome. He should be an actor, like a soap opera actor. Like too perfect, these looks. Yeah. Like jet black hair, these piercing blue eyes, perfect bone structure. 
half the women who come out of anesthesia go, oh, doctor, you're so handsome. I want to, I just want to have sex with you. <laughs> this never <laughs> happens to me. And it's, you know, face for radio, I always say, right? Never happens. And then they come, they go, they do come out, they go, doctor, bro, thank you. So, they, they're so great. Thank you so much for taking my case. And I go, oh, you're welcome. You're the best. You're a God. They call me a God all wow, the time when they come out of anesthesia. Nice. And I look at my nurses and I go, it's right. <laughs> it's right. And then, or I'll say, they'll go, doctor, bro, you're a God. And I'll go, what? And they'll go, you're a God. And I'll go, what? <laughs> and they, yeah. because they're sort yeah. of not with it, yeah. they go, you're a God. I try to get him to repeat his man. I keep looking at, to my nurse and I go, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> That's what I do. That's amazing. Is, is there anyone who wow. ever comes in, because on the show sometimes we'll see someone who has gigantic lips or breasts or something about them and they love it. Mm. And despite your, <laughs> your, they won't heed your advice and they just say, I have no desire to go smaller or, or to correct it. This is what I want. Has anyone ever come to you off camera weeks, months later and said, you're right, fix me? Like, does anyone ever have second thoughts? So I will tell you, those cases on Botch, variably, not so much this year, you got to see this season. They're starting to listen to us now. <laughs> okay. But in the past, you're right, there's been like eight seasons of, yeah, thank you very much for your opinion. I'm still going to go have more injected my lips. I'm still going to have my breasts made bigger, even though they may burst out of my skin. But we have had a number of them have the complication that we warn them about and they come back into my office and they go oh my gosh you're right i have this disaster will you please fix me now and we go yeah but now the show's not paying for it <laughs> right that's unfortunate yeah so we we have seen that over all these years we've been by the way we've been doing botched the first episode premiered june of 2014 wow so we've been doing botch for over 10 years. Think how many patients we've seen on botch. So there's been a, a number of them who, we had a couple, unfortunately, we warned them otherwise and they didn't survive ultimately when they actually Ooh. went to the next step. Wow. Yeah. And so, so the show pays for all the surgeries. So the show pays us to do oh. the surgery. Wow. Gotcha. Yeah, they pay us to do the surgery and that's what the patient gets paid. They don't get paid. They get free surgery. Free surgery. Yeah. And how do you find these patients? So there's Is it like American Idol. <laughs> yeah. There's like they like film a video like here's why I need my tits bigger from you. Well, there's a casting call. OK. That says and they usually use us on our Instagram because our Instagrams have gotten that, bigger. They put out a casting call. That's got to be a fun waiting room. At, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, no, no, we don't. So this is the way it works. So you can you go, go in. You're like, oh, oh right. Wrong door. But right. <laughs> Right now, <laughs> right now, you can go to botchcasting.com, right? Yeah. And there's an application, you submit photos, and the network hires these casting agents to submit their photos and to tell their story. And they ask them to do a video. If the network likes it, because they want a certain mix of buttocks, breasts, face, nose, you know, and they have an interesting backstory, then they summarize the case and submit them to us. We get them in written in sort of a picture. Like this is what they look like. This is their history. Back the first season, they would send us like 50 possible cases to do. We go, that one's too hard. That one's too risky. This one, no, 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 no. And then we'd, we'd take like 20 for the show or mm -hmm. 30. Now, everyone, because we've had so much experience doing impossible to do plastic surgery, and we've gotten so experienced at it, 
I, I say no, never, wow. never. Wow. Unless, and now the patient then, if we, I say yes, they have, they fly them in from wherever they are. I meet them in their office. And the only thing that will exclude them is if they have, you can tell they have body dysmorphia, sure. unrealistic expectations, or they don't pass the sniff test. You don't like them. Yeah. You know what I mean? You meet of someone, course. person, you just don't like yeah, them. Yeah. You don't want to no operate good. on those people. No good. Yeah. And I like everyone. Yeah. So if I don't like you, you probably have, you know, a narcissistic personality disorder or massive dysmorphia, or there's something going on with you mm. that makes you not a candidate for this super high risk, difficult plastic surgery. Wow. This podcast for Ben and I, I'm going to be honest, we're blazing a trail here because most podcasts suck and we were like, enough, okay? We need to just, and we didn't want to, right? We hate money, but we were like, no, we're doing this for the people. And you know, that's why I love Harry's, right? Because they too have blazed their own path because they were tired of seeing people get ripped off by questionable shaving products, right? In an industry that's basically just price gouging you. You buy that first razor, you're like, that was not a terrible deal until you realize every cartridge you need from here on out is going to cost you literally like a scholarship to an Ivy League college. Look, what I received from Harry's, are you ready? I got a five blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash good guys. And what I loved was the delivery options allowed for scheduled refills. So I don't even have to think about going to the drugstore for as low as $2. That's half of what you would pay with other big brands. Plus they have everything else I needed, like, you know, a great smelling deodorant for five bucks or, or body wash that smells like redwoods or wildlands and stone. But I love that it's just like a no risk trial. If I don't like my shave. It's fine. It's on them, by the way. And they've got really high customer satisfaction for a reason. So don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash good guys. That's harrys.com slash good guys for a $3 trial set. Should we get to our what are you nuts moment? And I was going to say, yeah, but Josh, what wonderful questions. And I'm happy if you didn't stop us, by the way, I think we would have spoken about Ozempic for three hours. <laughs> I, we, by the way, we're, we're I, still I, the I, by the way, I agree with I you. I love the passion. It's, it's just so fascinating to me. But yes, we should get to what are you nuts. Josh, do you want to go first? You want me to go, go first? Go for it, Ben. And I can pop. Terry, do I you know help. our yeah. what are you nuts moment of the week is your gripes with people, places and things can be minor, yeah. could be major. Anything that's just currently sticking in your craw. Ben will go first. Yeah. All right. Just, it, it's sort of a medley airport. We spoke about this earlier. Yesterday, a multitude of things happened. I'm coming back from DFW to JFK. We're flying. We're 30 minutes from JFK, Josh. We're about to touch down. All of a sudden, attention. We don't have the proper whatever for icing. We're going to rally North Carolina. I'm like, what are you nuts? Like, what's wrong with you? You're Delta. Hadn't you know that when we took off? You know what the weather looks like in New York right. before you took off? How are we about to land? You come back. We were grounded in rally. They de-ice us. We get to LaGuardia, whatever. It ended up working out. But Delta, absolutely nuts. Completely crazy. I agree with that. Before we boarded, I witnessed two just unthinkable acts. The uh -oh. first is woman walks up to the front and says, I heard that the weather's not going to be so great. Do you think there's going to be turbulence on the flight? And the flight attendant says, you know, I'm not sure, but yeah, like there'll probably be turbulence. She's like, you don't know exactly how much turbulence there's going to be. The the woman, again, she's the ticketing agent. She's like, no, I don't know exactly how much turbulence. People are insane. People are insane. 
the second or the third guy is in the airport, has a fishing pole with a hook. I can't get a water bottle through security, but this man can get a fishing pole with a hook. <laughs> How the hell does that make any sense? This guy, it's like he's fishing in the airport, full hook bait pole. How do you get that in there? How do you get that through security? Yeah, that is what are crazy. you, nuts? Let me bring my fucking water bottle through security. There are no bombs with water bottles. We've ha- we've gone too far since 9-11. We need to figure this out. TSA needs to figure this out. I don't need my bag checked because of a water bottle, especially if you're not checking it because of his fishing pole. I agree with that. Ooh, That's good. Josh, one. speaking of, and thank you for reminding me, Ben, Terry, is it a doctor's worst fear or their biggest hope that on the loudspeaker of a flight in air, someone goes, is there a doctor on board? This is also why I didn't become a dentist. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. There's nothing more embarrassing than that. Can I tell a quick that. story? Please, I'll try please. To be as quick as possible. No, there's no it's rush. worst fear, and I'll tell yes. you why. Because you got this huge plane, all right? And we have an announcement. Is there a doctor on board? You go, oh, no. Because <laughs> first of all, there's nothing you can do on a plane. They don't have any emergency resuscitative equipment. You can't start an don't IV. They, they mostly a, don't even have, no. They don't have- First aid kit. They don't have anything- Defib. They have a defib now. To shock the heart. The, the ones I've been on doesn't even have AEDs, you know, defibrillators. Wow. But anyway, so you go back there, all right? Because, you know, at this stage of my life, I get to fly up front, right? You go back there and there's some extremely overweight- diabetic with multiple medical problems who hasn't been feeling well for the past four days and it invariably occurs like when you're over water so there's no place to go and you basically have to babysit them for the next four hours while your wife's drinking champagne in first class it's so what what has happened to me recently is there a doctor on board is doctor on board and i'm going like this and so what i do is You'd be surprised. There, there are going to be four medical professionals on that flight. Yeah, there sure. always is, and there, you know, there's like there's always a a marshal with a gun on the plane. Yeah. Anyway, so I go, I wait, and I wait, and I'm not doing anything. And my wife's sister is on the plane, right? And she's looking at me. She goes, "Are you going to go back there?" I'm thinking, <laughs> "I'm just wait, just wait. I'll go back there." And she goes, "Is there a doctor? Is there a doctor?" I'm going, "Okay, all right, fine." So I wait, and I go back there, and there's a line of like four guys looking at this one patient person who doesn't look good. I'm going, Oh, okay. There's a line. That's good. So I walk up and I go to the first guy, I go, what kind of medical professional are you? And he goes, I'm a dentist. I go, okay, so go sit down. (laughs) (laughs) And then then I go to the next guy, I go, what's your specialty? He goes, I'm a radiologist. I go, (laughs) I'll call you when we need an x-ray. Right. I'm yeah. thinking, because, you know, please let the next guy be an anesthesiologist, someone who's an expert resuscitating the acutely ill patient. And then I go up to the next guy. He goes, I'm family practice. I go, okay, because I'm board, I was board certified in general surgery. I did seven years general surgery in the wow. UCLA system. I was chief resident general surgery. Nobody's more trained than someone who is chief resident and board certified in general surgery. Yeah. You can take, you know, ICU patients, save their, you can gunshot wounds. There's nothing you can't do if you're a general general surgeon before I went to plastic surgery training the very next day. So I walk up and the next guy and I go, what's your specialty? And he goes, I'm an anesthesiologist. And I went, yeah. <laughs> I go, I go, well, I may to trivialize myself. I'm like a cosmetic surgeon. So I'm just going to go back to first class. You're good. You got this, right? He goes, yeah. He goes, what do you, I go, cosmetic. He goes, well, you know, do you have general surgery training? I go, no, no, no. Well, you know, but not for a long time. I go, you got this, pal. 
<laughs> what percentages of those do you think are just anxiety attacks? Think. Because the mind can play weird tricks on I the agree. body, right? Like you can think you're having a heart attack, but really you just. Right? The problem is you don't know. You have no You yeah. have no monitoring ability. I think most of them are people who knew better, got yeah. sick, were in the beginning start stages of getting sick, and then they go up and they get much sicker. Sure. And they mm -hmm. should be at home in the emergency room. Now they're on your plane. Mm. Yeah. Selfish. That's bastards. the worst. By the way, what are you nuts? That's the that's a good one. The person who's sick, who's got the beginnings of illness, they know they're getting a really bad flu and they're older and they're overweight and they've got multiple medical code disorders and they get on the plane. What are you nuts? But that's nuts. not my, my, are we going to do Josh's what are you nuts? No, if you have one, please. I, so this is a what are you nuts of your friends. Yes. Okay, you go to, a, this happened to me last week, you go to a movie theater you're sitting there with your buddy gonna watch this great movie and you're eating your popcorn and you've got your Diet Coke and the movie's about to start and you hear your friend go, oh. I go, what, man? He goes, do you hear that guy sniffling? <laughs> and I go, what guy? He goes, listen. And, he, and there's someone a couple rows over going. <laughs> so I didn't hear it. I wouldn't have heard it. Mm. Now all I can effing hear the entire movie is that person in the row <laughs> In the in the the thing three rows in front of me sniffling and I can't unhear it. What are you nuts? Why did you point that out? That's my what are you nuts? Also nuts is the person sniffling. One, have some self awareness and get it checked out. Maybe yeah. you need a Zyrtec, oh, right? Or, 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 or nose or, drops, or, something. Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe you shouldn't have been sick in a movie theater. I would agree. Both are nuts. Right, both are nuts. And then finally, the patient who flies in from. I got to change the country because this just happened. <laughs> Say Ireland. And they're going to have this big reconstructive procedure from me, right? Very difficult, very risky. And I see them the day before surgery. And I've got such a big surgical schedule that next day that I have to get up at 3.50 a.m. to get to the, so I can start them at 5 a.m. Mm. All right. So I get there at 4.45 and I walk in, how you doing? You know, trying to get them in a good mood, making my jokes, you know. And I, and the nurse goes to me, she took an Advil yesterday. Amazing. And an Advil before surgery is a blood thinner. Mm. And on all of our notes for them preoperative, it says no aspirin, no Advil, no Aleve. Because a blood thinner, you're not going to slice someone open who's on a blood thinner. She goes, well, I had a headache. I go, but. You saw that on the records, everything you got. Yeah, I saw that. I go, she goes, but I had a headache. So I took an Advil. So now that entire seven hour case is canceled. Canceled, yeah. But I'm here at 4.50 oh. in the morning. Anyway, what are you, what are you nuts? nuts? That's, nuts <laughs> when you give yourself a little gas and you take a four hour nap. Am I right? You know, you just give yourself a little, a little something, a little, you're welcome, Terry. It's, it's the Verset, I take the Verset, <laughs> the, not the guess. The, <laughs> the milk. And I go, well, I'm gonna use what you were gonna use, so. Josh, the before you're running nuts, it came into my mind. Thoughts on t people going to Turkey for these uh, hair implants? Very, very good. Okay, they we are, like, okay, we like Turkey it is really, you know, I'm not a big fan of medical tourism. I was on Nightline talking yeah. about medical tourism, the dangers of medical tourism, but Turkey and hair transplants, they know they what they're doing. are good. They know what they're doing. Really okay. good, and it's cheap. It's very cheap. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they'll they'll pay for your hotel, I hear. They, uh, they, and it and it's funny, you get back and it's just all like, at least in New York, the flight is 100% Persian Jews. So you yeah. just have these like Persian Jews, hair, head completely wrapped yep. back from Turkey. I'm telling you, skilled. 
these Turkish players, there's to great know. surgeons all over the world, but you don't, you don't, you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. You don't know. But Turkish plastic surgeon, psh, hair transplant, fantastic. But, wow. And obviously you're the doctor, Terry. I heard someone say the only problem is if God forbid you are the 1% that has a complication or code, Screwed. you don't know the ICU in that country. That's the problem. You don't know what the general medical care is. Mm. You have no insurance. You're at, you know, you're at their mercy. And then as soon as you fly back, no one here is interested yeah. in you. We don't know what you did and nobody wants to take somebody else's problem on. Mm. It's there's so many reasons why not to do medical tourism. But hair transplants, what's the worst thing that could happen, you know, that it didn't take. Right. Yeah. Nobody's sure. going to die from a hair transplant. So you might as well save the 25 grand. Yeah. It's that big of a difference I hear. Oh, I, think, I hear it's like 30 here or something well, and five there. But if you compare Manhattan or Beverly sure, Hills, sure, but sure. you know, a good hair transplant here of like 3,500 grafts by a f really outstanding hair transplant surgeon in Manhattan and Beverly Hills is probably going to cost you 15 grand, mm -hmm. you know, maybe 20, maybe 25. If you go to one of these really high level guys, I think it's what, three grand there. And they feed yeah. you. And they feed and they you. put you up. Yeah, they do. <laughs> now they and and arguably because they're so high volume, they might be better. They might be better. I mean, not to say the Manhattan and Beverly Hills hair transplant surgeons aren't top notch because they are, but they're really good. Here's the thing about medicine: the more you do, the better you of are. Of course. By far, because it's the practice of medicine. Yeah. So even if you trained at UCLA or Emmett, Massachusetts General, and you don't do a high volume, you're never very good. No. You know, just because you were a genius and and got into Harvard Medical School, that doesn't make you a good surgeon. Yeah, you also need, Harvard, fuck them. Right. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> you need, right, right, right. You need tons. And I, so quick story, 2000, 2003, yeah. I got selected to be the doctor on a TV show called The Swan. Hmm? And it was a big show on After American Idol. Okay. After American, think of the lead-in oh, yeah. from American Idol. So- what do you think happened in my practice the day before I was on the swan to the day after I was on the swan? It was one of them. It, it, through the roof. Through the roof. So wow. I got, most plastic surgeons do 80 to 120 significant cases a year. I was doing, I do 700 now, but, oh, wow. but back then I was doing, I went from like 110 cases a year to the next five years, I was doing 500 cases a you year. Do 700 cases a year. I do. Oh my God. Yeah. How many days of the I, week? Well, the, I'll tell you why. I'm fast. When you get, when you're 65, you've been operating this much and you do it. I was, do, I, for a while I was doing seven days a week. You get really efficient and really fast. Whereas like someone else does a facelift in nine hours or a body lift. I can do it two hours, three wow. hours. Wow. And yet I used to have to sit the patient up for the breast reduction or breast augmentation 15 times to adjust. I sit them up once, make an adjustment twice, done, next. Yeah, you just get good at it. What were you about to ask me? I was going to ask you, how many surgeries, like you'll have surgery days of the week, right? Like, yeah. and, and about how many surgeries will you do in that time? Or I guess it just depends on the extremeness of the case. It's it, doing an average of two a day, though, 700 a year. Well, that's so, so yeah. I used to do seven days a week. Okay. Literally wow. would operate all day Sunday and wow. all day Saturday. And then one of my, my son he was at the refrigerator Sunday and I go, wow, when did you get so tall? <laughs> and my wife looks at me, she goes, that's it. No more Sunday <laughs> surgery. 
When did you get so tall? I know. And then I thought, okay, I'm missing my kids. So I stopped working Saturdays and Sundays. Now, occasionally I'll do a case Saturday morning. But it depends because if a person has a, what used to take, again, what used to take me six hours now takes me two and a half. Yeah, sure. So if you can have two six hour cases in a day, and that's all you do. But now I can do three or four or five cases in a day. I'm trying to scale back a little bit because I, I want to make sure I exercise more. The, I call these the marginal years. These are the years when you get past 50, 55, 60. If you're guys at your age and you guys don't work out, it's probably not going to shorten your life. If you're over 50 and you don't work out, that's going to shorten your life. Mm. You have to work out in the last third every single day. Mm. So when wow. you guys hit 50, 60, 70, you have to make it like I eat every day, mm -hmm. I brush my teeth every day, I take a shower, I kiss my wife, I work out. Mm every single day. And if you don't, you're going to shorten the your The only life. part of that I'm not cool with is the kissing your wife. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> or your husband or your boyfriend or whatever. Yes, no, my <laughs> wife, but you know, we're not that close. <laughs> okay, so my What Are You Nuts is, I was walking the street yesterday with my gorgeous, beautiful 15-month-old son, Chai, and he's in his stroller, we're big walkers. And this, this woman's coming towards us and she's walking an animal and I see she's walking a cat. That's the first, what are you nuts? You're walking, there is nothing weirder than seeing a cat on a leash, okay? It sounds like a play. There's cat on a hot Josh. tin roof, cat on a leash. Josh, there, there was a, there was a pig. I'll send you the picture later. I can't believe this wasn't my what are you nuts, and I forgot to send it to you. My picture, my, my sister sent me a picture last week on the Upper East Side, a woman walking a pig. Wow, crazy. Well, crazy. This, this cat is fully on a leash. So then, <laughs> this, we're, we're in a standoff now. I'm like, are you gonna move? Do I move? What's happening? She doesn't move. I go, no problem. I'll go into the street where the cars are with my child in a stroller so you can walk your cat by me and you can be safely on the sidewalk. What are you, nuts? That was crazy. Nuts. That's hilarious. By the way, I love cats. I you love do? dogs. I love dogs. I, I am cat obsessed. Okay. I love dogs. I don't like cats. Yeah. I did have a weird, I think it's always like, did something happen to you? <laughs> a cat, I was younger, gave me a nice scratch. I don't like cats. But I don't like them. You ever seen those Instagram things, you know, when you're, you're sort yeah. of swiping and it shows the guy, the macho guy who used to hate cats and now he's like with the cat. He's, yeah, once you get you, a cat. Once guys, you get a cat, you get it. Yeah. They're, they're like, you know, women I'm who sure. are painful, but you can't help yourself. <laughs> and then they're so fantastic. You fall in love and you're done. Yeah. I love cats. It's been so fun. Anything else we want to plug? Well, here? just I think the the Red Dress Collection concert with the American Heart Association is such an important thing and focus on heart health is critical. You know, just one interesting statistic, maybe two, and I'll leave you with this. One out of five women between the ages of 50 and 75 will have a stroke every mm -hmm. year. Okay, so it affects a tremendous number of females and of course men. And if you have a TIA, the chances you have a full-blown stroke is probably 25 to 30% within a year. Wow. So you need to get checked out for heart health and for stroke potential. Go to your doctor and say, work me up. What's my cholesterol? I wanna know my HDL, my LDL, my total cholesterol, and get on that treadmill and have them do an echo. Because I don't know about you, have you ever had any friends who've been 30, 35 years old who 
suddenly die from unknown cardiovascular disease? Have you thank, had any? Thank God, no. I did have one at 17 unknown cardiovascular disease. Really? I, I've had friends like that, but they first, did a guy lot of cocaine. Play, I was playing, Yeah, that's the fent. That's the fent, but no, this this kid, 17, playing yeah. frisbee, died. Of yeah, Great. but I mean, you know, you could take a man who's in great shape. He's 55, 50 years old and sudden cardiac arrest. And mm. Had he just gone to the cardiac, to his doctor and had a stress echo, they would have seen that there was a, vulnerable part of his cardiac circulation. Mm. They would have seen what his cholesterols go get checked out for cardiac disease, because if you live long enough, you will die from cardiovascular disease. Yeah. Okay. And, you, and if you don't live long enough, you probably could have prevented it. So cardiovascular health is the key thing to focus on besides diet and exercise. And ozone. <laughs> look at, look at this. You normally laugh. Now you learn. Where else do you get this? You don't get this anywhere besides good guys, right, Josh? You don't get this anywhere. So, so rate, review, and subscribe. Send it to a friend. This episode's at least five stars. If it's not five stars, what are you, nuts? Where else are you going to get this type of content? Find us on Apple, Spotify, on YouTube, on Josh's YouTube channel. Terry, Dr. Dubrow, thank you so much for joining us. This was an absolute pleasure. We'll have wonderful clips. And we hope to see you soon. Thank you very much. You guys are truly good guys. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, we, we, we like the, to the internet so. disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Terry. That was Great. awesome. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.